Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. How many of you here work in the service industry, like specifically hotel or, or restaurant? Can I see your hands? How many of you are going to? Yeah, okay. Let me just say on behalf of all of our church, I, we're sorry, okay, because I... I think maybe the rudest people on the planet are when church people fight to get off the church parking lot to get to the restaurant in time, and then they don't tip you well because you just can't ever please them. So I would just say as a church, number one, don't be rude when you get there and tip more than you think you should because folks are trying to serve you. So let me just stop and say, serve is one of those things that we say is a big deal around Sugar Hill Church. As a matter of fact, if you've been around in this series called The Big Deal, we started off by saying one of the biggest deals are the promises of God. And we said, so one of the things that he says is test me. God says, test me on this one thing. If you give, I will bless you, right? Now, he doesn't promise he's going to bless you financially, but he does say he's going to bless you. So the first Sunday of the month, we made the big deal and said, listen, you give in the month of February. And if at the end of February, on March 1, you look back and say, you know what? God didn't hold up his side of the deal. I gave, he didn't, he didn't bless. Then you, all you got to do is contact me or Craig, and we'll give you every dollar back you gave in February. All right, but see, the, the promise of God, we believe the Bible's a big deal. I mean, we believe from Genesis to maps, I mean, God has a rhyme and a reason for how these things are to work, how life can be successful on our journey and how we can, we literally try to work our way through life. I mean, the God is a, he gave us a roadmap. We believe the Bible's a big deal, but we believe Jesus is the biggest deal. I mean, the, the biggest deal is not whether we sing hymns or praise. The biggest deal is not whether we drums or an organ. The biggest deal is not whether our carpet is brown or red. The biggest deal is not whether you dress up or wear jeans. The biggest deal is just one thing. If you get Jesus right, everything else gets right. And then we really, we kind of live and die by that. So we want to say the Bible's a big deal. Jesus is the biggest deal. And then we get to the third element and say, but you know, we best portray that when we serve people in the name of Christ. How do you serve people in our backyard that are in need in our community and folks around the world? So in in a few weeks, we'll have another crew head off to Haiti. And when they get there, they'll be all about serving hungry children in these orphanages we support. But there'll be people this week that'll pack backpacks and send food home for children. I mean, this past week, we were assisting a a family trying to be homeless into a temporary home. And, And Something like that happens day after day after day. Serving people is a big deal around here. But you know, don't you like it when people serve you? I mean, really, don't you like it? I mean, like when you go into a restaurant and and they fill your glass without asking? I mean, when you make a hotel reservation, show up at the front desk and it's actually ready for you? When you rent a car, I'm I'm like that one guy on the Enterprise commercial, you just don't, don't have to deal with anybody. You just walk the car and crank it up and go. I mean, don't you love it when things work? But isn't it true that in a lot of ways, things don't work that way? Like how many of you, just by show of hands, how many of you say you have waited on either the telephone company or the cable company longer than you should have? Can I see your hands? Well, bless the Lord. All right, so you see, we love it when people serve us, but the fact is we've got to understand serve and it's right implications and we understand it and what it works like. Jesus makes a big deal about serving others. If you have your Bibles or even easier, if you pull your app out, you can just open up the Sugar Hill Church app and you go to resources. And when you go to resources, all of my teaching notes are in there and um, you can follow right along everything, including all of the, uh, all of the scriptures, my notes. And if I actually follow my notes, then man, you can, if I don't follow my notes, that's what I meant to say. 
All right, so just you follow along and have a good time with the app. Uh, go ahead and burn some of your data. The Wi-Fi is not quite up to speed today, so all it is is text. But you join in with me. So let's take a look at what Jesus has to say. Let's begin in Matthew chapter 20 in verse 26. It says in the New Living, it says, if you want to be great, if you want to be great, you must be the servant of all others. And if you want to be first, you must be the slave of the rest. The son of man did not come to be a slave master, but a slave who will give his life to rescue many people. So what Jesus is saying is real significance is not gonna be found in your portfolio. It's not gonna be found in the community you live in. It's not going to be found in the, in the car you drive, the school you send your kids to. What he's saying here is this, if you want to be great, you must become a servant. Now watch this, that great, that term is a big deal because many of us, we're going through life and we're experiencing this unbelievable course of mediocrity. But I don't, I don't believe anybody woke up this morning, looked in the mirror and said, I cannot wait to be a miserable failure. I don't think any of you looked in the mirror this morning and said, I cannot wait to be mediocre. I mean, there's something within us that we all want to be great. I mean, life is a big challenge. And, and some of us, some of you are like me, everything in life is a competition. I mean, seriously, on Valentine's night, Jenny convinces me to go to this painting thing at a, at a coffee shop, right? And it's with watercolors, me, all right? And so I'm sitting there and there's three or four other couples and all the dudes are, are they're engineers. Now, if you're an engineer, let me just go ahead and equally offend you, all right? Let me just say, they are measuring their stuff on the, on the canvas, like they, they, they're protractors and stuff, trying to figure out, what do we do? And I'm thinking, what in the world, I'm gonna win. I mean, how do you win a painting contest? Well, let me tell you something, I'm gonna win, right? So we start slapping stuff on there, man. I'm telling you, we are killing it. Jenny draws the heart and puts the wings on it. She's so artsy, it's ridiculous, you know. I'm going along with it, you know, and I'm slapping stuff on there and we get done and hold up. You know what I thought? We won. How do you know that? Because we won, right? Everything in life becomes a competition. And then Jesus comes along and says, wait a minute, I need to give you a counterculture counterintuitive thought of success. He says, if you want to be great, then you've got to serve people. So let me ask you a question. Let's take maybe a survey here and, and, and just kind of look into your own life. The last time somebody treated you like a servant, how did you respond? And that right there gives us an idea of how well we're serving. So you see, when we serve people, what we're literally doing is making humanity better. We're making the world better. Now, science is in agreement with this. I mean, this science and Jesus are, they're, they're Neck and neck, hand, hand in hand. Science would say there's three ways that serving others makes a big difference. Number one, in life, science would say it keeps, it keeps us from getting in a rut. I, I read an article in Inc. Magazine, INC period, not INK. And, and I read a, uh, an article this week about nine things that highly successful people do. Number four on the list is every day they find somebody to serve. Every day they find somebody to serve. And you look at that, science is in agreement here in health. Serving others keeps us healthier and younger. I mean, you take a look in faith, serving others keeps our faith fresh, our attitude healthy. You know, when I see, when I see a follower of Christ that's bitter and angry and they, they, they want to gripe about anything and everything, I'll promise you they haven't served somebody in the name of Christ in forever. Show me somebody who's out there attempting to serve people and care for people. They're going to be the person that that person's griping about. Because it's, it's ugly and messy when you start trying to help people. There's just weird stuff happens. You wouldn't believe the stuff that comes into this church. You know why? Because when you try to serve and help people, you're going to have problems. I mean, seriously, wouldn't you like to join the perfect church? I mean, seriously, wouldn't you like to be a part of the perfect church? You know what the problem is? We would find the perfect church, then we'd join it and mess it up. 
because there's just no such thing. And so life becomes messy, but even science says to us, wait a minute, do this, serve. Now that, that may not be enough for you. So let's take a look at what Paul said in his writings to the Philippians in chapter two, verses three and four. He says, don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression. Hmm. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. Don't think only about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they're doing. In other words, Paul's saying, be the bus boy, not the boss. Be, the, be, the, be that person who in your office is, is going to do everything you can to the glory of God and you're, you're going to serve other people. I mean, I really do believe that, that the formula that God gives us here is this. I mean, uh, if you ever watch football, I'm a, I'm a football junkie. And from the time I was a little boy, I was, I was taught to receive the football if you're running back this way. You put your arms in, in this position. Go ahead and do that with me. Go ahead and put your arms in that position, right? Okay. Now, the picture here is this. This top level, uh, to take all of this football analogy to its, its extreme, if you don't have your hands like this, you can't grab the ball and you got it one hand, it's fumble waiting to happen, right? So in life, when you do like this, literally you're taking the high road. I take the highest road, I'm, I'm going to extend grace, I'm going to extend forgiveness, I'm going to walk in the path of Christ, I'm gonna trust him for everything today, and I'm going to assume with this other arm the lowest possible position. Literally, when, when Paul is talking to them about servants, he's speaking to people who either are servants or hire servants. He's talking to people that understand this issue that if you want greatness, you've gotta do this, you gotta take the look away from you, and you've got to long for other people to succeed. And that is so counterintuitive to what we know as the great American dream. So he says, you take the high road and then you assume the lowest position. You ha have this opening right here, interesting, right around your heart to receive God's richest blessing. Our problem is we don't like to take the high road. We like to find fault in everybody else. I mean, ha have you ever experienced this where you, um, you were with somebody or maybe you were that person in a season where they found something wrong with everybody else? I mean, one of, one of the things that seems to be most fun is to find out this concept that, dude, he's worse than me. I'm, do, I'm winning, I'm killing it. And God comes along and says, listen, wait a minute. Don't, don't be selfish. Don't, don't make a good impression. That's not what it's all about. Be the bus boy, not the boss. But you know, servant leadership, if you walk into Barnes and Noble, man, you will find row after row after row of business books about servant leadership. But you know, John Maxwell didn't create servant leadership. Lee Iacocca, didn't, didn't, he didn't find it. God came along on the early parts. If you want to be great, you got to serve. If you really want greatness, you want to put Jesus on your resume, he said, I'm great, then you got to serve. I said, well, maybe I need a little more than that, Chuck. Carry it a little further. Same chapter, go to verse 5. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. And in human form, he obediently humbled himself even, even further by dying a criminal's death on the cross. You see, uh, another reason serving is a big deal is Jesus made it a big deal. I mean, he, he gave us a picture of this is what real service looks like. I lay down my life for you. I, I give you life. I give you this gift. So if you jump back over to Matthew 20, verse 28, let's remind ourselves that Jesus didn't come as a king. He didn't come as a CEO. He didn't come as a C-level executive. He didn't come as a sage. Jesus came in this humble little town. And what he did was he gave his life to pay for us to have life. What did he say again 
in verse 28, Matthew 20, for even I, the son of man, came here not to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. Our service is a direct reflection of how we view and relate to God. So if you were to hold up a mirror and look, what would you see? What would you see? Would you, would, would you see Christ at work in us? Is that what, was that what comes out of us? Is that, is that what comes out of our mouth? Is that, is that what we place inside of our, our head and our soul? Is, is it a reflection of God or is it a reflection of what we are? And I gotta be honest with you, too often this past week, it's been about me. Because see, this is almost an impossible task. And that's why Jesus goes on and on everywhere in the New Testament saying, this is a matter of your heart. Your actions will follow your heart. What you truly believe is inevitably what you're going to live out. So pick it, whether it's giving or service, regardless of what it is, it's a reflection of what's going on in our heart. So, so our service looks that way. So Chuck, I've got to have more, okay? Let's look at another writing. Paul writes to the Colossians in chapter three, verse 23. And he says, do your work willingly as though you were serving the Lord himself and not just your earthly master. In fact, the Lord Christ is the one you're really serving and you know that he will reward you. I mean, it seems so simple, doesn't it? I mean, you look at this and you say, this, this ought to be something I, I could do willingly. This ought to be easy for me. I mean, just do what God tells you to do, right? But why is that so hard then? It's so hard because in our own earthly capacity, we want to control it and we want to explain it. But when you surrender control and accept the fact that you can't explain everything that God's done. His ways are higher than ours. The scripture, it's what it teaches us. He said, well, Chuck, I've got to have a little bit more, okay? Let's see what Peter has to say. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Now, let's just stop right there. So, so what Peter's saying is, if you've surrendered your life to Christ, if you've said, all right, wait a minute, here's God in his perfection, and here we are in our messed up lives, God looks at us and he says, man, I'm perfect. I cannot let that mess into heaven. I can't, I, that doesn't work for me. God in all his holiness says, man, that's, that's awful, but I love you. So he sends his son Jesus to die for us, to pay the penalty we deserve. He dies for us, sheds his blood for us, gets buried in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, he walks out of that tomb, draws in this deep breath and has conquered everything so that we might count on him to go before us and make a way. And when you look at that, you say to yourself, wait a minute, then I get it. When I ask that Jesus into my life to give me life more abundantly today and eternally in heaven, then he gave me a gift, exactly. And all of us have been given gifts. It's wrapped up beautiful. All you've got to do, unwrap that gift and then use it. Now, here's the problem. We think that, that gift is about us when really, if you read scripture, that gift is given to us to serve other people. The gift you've been given is to serve other people. We've all got it. As a matter of fact, listen, listen to how Peter goes to the rest of it. He says to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now he takes it one more step. He says, listen, in all your unique weirdness, you've been given a gift that's unique. Now this is a beautiful picture. I mean, there's this, this universal understanding that we're all addicts. We're all addicts to sin. I mean, we, we're messed up, we're, 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 we're flawed people, we're fallible people, we've got problems that we can't fix, we need God. We, can we get that, right? Now, when we recognize that what he's saying to us is this picture, that because of God's grace, he gives each of us in varied forms those gifts to serve people. You know what that means? Not everybody wants to go to Haiti. Not everyone wants to pack backpacks. Not everybody wants to serve in a lift ministry. Not every, you, know, you just go on and on and on, right? I mean, there's a million ways you could serve here, but what Peter's really saying is don't wait on the church to create something for you to be a part of. Go serve people. 
have the willingness to take your gifts and all your uniqueness and go serve people in your way. I mean, there are some of you that, man, your thing is I want to cook for people. Well, then just cook the daylights out of it. Go do your thing. There's some of you want to go cut somebody's yard. Go cut the grass. I mean, some of you want to deliver food. Deliver food. But whatever you do, make sure that you do this as you serve people. I mean, Peter goes on as, he, as he's instructed by, by God's presence in verse 11. He says, if anyone speaks, uh-oh, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus. Now watch this. He said, so everything we speak ought to be as if God spoke it to us. Okay, did you know, guys, men, Every day you speak about 2,500 words. Every day. Guys, you speak about 2,500 words. So let me just ask you, just no hands here because I blew it too. How many of you would attribute what percentage of those words to the fact that those were God's? Ouch. I mean, some of you joined me in uttering some things you wish God didn't even hear, right? 2,500. Ladies, listen, I'm not letting you off the hook. You speak 6,000 a day. We men are veritable rookies at this. I mean, you own it, right? Let me ask you a question, ladies. How many of those words can you attribute to God? How many of those words can you attribute to the presence of God? He goes on and says, man, this is what you do. You've been given a gift, take it. That gift was designed to serve other people, serve them. As you speak words of encouragement to them, let that be the word of God welling up in your heart so the degree that it literally overflows in our voice. I mean, I look at this and I think, man, I need this desperately to get out of a rut in my life so that I, I can be an encouragement to somebody else. I mean, don't, don't you just hate it when you're around Eeyores of life? I mean, just like Winnie the Pooh and Eeyore, we'll never make it, it can't be done. I mean, it really just drives me nuts. I wanna pull a pin, fire in a hole. I mean, seriously. I mean, don't, don't you just hate hanging around with those folks? Listen, they don't want to hang out with you when you're that way. God wants to speak these words of encouragement and instruction to us that we might use them to serve other people. He said, well, Chuck, I still need more. Let's go to what the Gospel of John says in chapter 16, verse 12. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You ever heard this phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle? That's where it comes from. I mean, Jesus says, listen, I, I want to unload the whole clip on you, but listen, you, you're babies, you can't handle this. He goes on and says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Jesus says, I want you to listen up. I'm not gonna give you more than you can handle. Listen, I'm calling you to do something that I've already given you victory in. All you've gotta do is take one step. I'll propel you the rest of the way, but you gotta trust me. And when I speak to you, you need to answer. And, and so literally he's saying, wait a minute, here's, here's the progression. God loves you. We're messed up. He sends his son. You accept Christ as savior. He then gives you the presence of the spirit of God. So watch the progression. God tells the son, the son tells the spirit, the spirit tells you, and it's not a telephone game because they never lose sight. And so literally we're to be a people that are in a conversation with God from the start of the day to the ending of the same. I mean, if I take my phone here and I pull it up and I, I open up my, uh, my phone and uh, get to the phone part and pull this out. Let me call Jenny real quick. Um, Babe, you can answer if you want to. Do you want to answer? I'm going to take that as a no. What? Are you ringing, babe? Yeah. You, you can answer. Go ahead. 
You, you got it, babe. You, you there? Are, are you mad at me? All right, now watch this. What if I were to treat my morning with God that he called, I answered, and he never put me on hold. He never blew me off to voicemail. But I stayed in constant contact all day long. He never hit the red button. What he's saying to you is, listen, I, I want to speak these words into you so that you'll know it's me. I want to call you to do something that's bigger and better than anything you could ever do on your own. Join me. I mean, he's given us this hotline. And he said, well, you know, Chuck, that's, that's good. That's a big deal. But look with me in, in John again in chapter 12, verse 49. For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. You say, well, Chuck, that's a big deal, but, but let's go further, right? John chapter 5, verse 19. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. So what Jesus is saying is, I, I don't do this on my own. Listen, if Jesus needed the father, how much more do you? You see, Jesus came fully God, fully man, fully God as he feeds 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch, fully man that he goes away to rest. Are you with me? This is how he relates to us. This is how we relate to him. And so what he says is, listen, follow the progression. This is what the father says. This is what the son does. This is what the spirit encourages you to do. Receive that. And so you look at that and say, well, when we see this, I still don't get the big deal. All right. John chapter five, verse 30. By myself, I can do nothing, Jesus says. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but the one who sent me. So Jesus, again, models for us. At the end of the day, what is it we're trying to accomplish? Serve others. Why? Because this is what gives God pleasure. And so he's called us to be in this loving relationship that we hear from him. Now, you may be here today and say, Chuck, I, I have never heard God speak. Okay, that, that's cool. But let's take a look at what that means, all right? If you were to look further into John chapter 8, verse 47, here's what you'd read. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Now, let, let me just state the obvious here. So what he's saying is, if you've never heard from God, I think it's time to take an inventory of whether you are living in Christ and know God. Now, I'm not saying you believe in God. I'm saying you believe God. I'm, I'm not saying that, that you know about God. I'm, I'm saying that you are sitting at the table with God because you've accepted Christ to be Lord of your life. And you're able to look at that and say, wait a minute, I'm, I'm sitting here. And if that means if I am a Christian, if I am a follower of Christ, then as I walk, the fruit that I leave behind me will be those things that are pleasing to God and service and ministry to others. What did Jesus say? Two big things. What's, what's the most important thing? And he says, love God. Well, your heart, your mind, and your soul. Oh, and by the way, love others. How do we do that? By serving them. Well, well, who do we serve? People in need. Everyone around us. I mean, Jesus is pretty clear here about who our neighbor is. Our neighbor is, look around you. They're everywhere. Matter of fact, in this room right now, there are people who desperately need you to serve them. For some of you, it's a ministry of prayer. For some of you, it's a ministry of encouragement. For some of you, it's a ministry of hanging out. For some of you, it's a ministry of cooking. For some of you, it's a ministry of cleaning house. For some of you, it's a ministry of cleaning out gutters. I mean, I can just go on and on and on. But in those various ways, he says, listen, if, you, if you'll hear from me, you're going to do this. 
Now watch, this is Jesus teaching you and me the difference between religion and a relationship. See, what happens is often is we totally mess up what Scripture teaches us about service because we put something on top of it, and we put conditions on it. You can serve if you cut your hair this way. You can serve if you don't have tattoos that way. You can serve if you don't listen to this music. You can serve if you don't drink. You can serve if you don't smoke. You can serve if you don't dip. You can serve blah, 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 blah. But the only thing it really says is if you hear from God, do it. So, so, so the short version of this, the serve capacity is this, hear what God wants me to do, do it. Then why don't we? Because we want to explain it and we want to control it. And God says, I'm not going to give it all to you because you can't handle it. You see, I look at this per perspective and I, I think, wait a minute, that's a big deal. Whoever belongs to God, hears God, are, they're fully alive to serve others because they've heard from God. Now, don't get confused here. It doesn't say this. It doesn't say whoever belongs to God goes to church. It doesn't say whoever belongs to God doesn't drink. It doesn't say whoever belongs to God doesn't listen to Leonard Skinner. It doesn't say whoever belongs to God doesn't eat sugar. It, it, it doesn't layer it with anything. It doesn't say if you belong to God, it doesn't give you anything except if you belong to God, you hear from God. So I, let me give you a minute, take an inventory. So if you haven't heard from God, are you serving a religion? Are you in a relationship? And you see, what I would say to you is, man, don't let tradition of religion layer so much on top of your faith that you miss God's voice. Don't be so concerned about what the religion is knowing that he desperately wants to be in this relationship where he never hangs up on you ever, that he longs to hear from you. You see, to serve this world, to experience greatness, we're, we're, we're in an obligation to hear from God, but we're not puppets on a string. God loves us too much to connect us and treat us like that. He, he says, I want you to give your, your heart to me so that I can pour grace on top of it and you can extend that. I want to forgive you so I can fill you with forgiveness so you can extend that. I want to serve you by dying for you and giving you life so that you might extend that. I want you to serve others. Why is it a big deal? Because Jesus made it a very big deal. And he said, if you want to be great, you've got to become a servant. That's a big deal. So I'm going to ask you to do something with me that's a, a little unusual. And, and I'm, going to, I'm going to beg you, don't, don't do the church thing where, I mean, like three people stand and then everybody else looks around like, what the heck, man, I guess I've got to stand, right? So I'm, I'm just going to ask you to do this. So this is awkward, so hang with me here. I want to ask you this week, would you be willing to take five minutes? Because see, on a national average, even if I assumed everybody in here was a Christ follower, which I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely certain that's not true, but on a national average, a Christ follower spends less than two minutes with God every week for something other than praying for a meal. And then we wonder, why have I never heard from God? You know what? You, you never knocked on the door. You never answered it when he knocked on yours. So I'm going to ask you, would you take five minutes each day? I'm going to ask you just when you do, get in a quiet place, kind of put your hands on your, on your legs and let, let the weight fall off your shoulders. Take a few deep breaths and just stop. Get, get off the hamster wheel just long enough. Read read through the Proverbs for that day. If it's a, it's a 22nd day, then man, read Proverbs 22. When you get done, just thank God that, man, you're 
look at you in spite of all the junk going on, man, you weren't on that beach for those 21. God, look at what you've done for me. And then finish that and say, God, today I want to hear from you. Would you, would you whisper? And if you have to, shout so that I recognize people you put in my path, you've called me to serve them in the name of Christ. So today, I'm gonna to ask you if you'll commit to do that before God and before these people. If you, man, if you say, Chuck, I can't do that, man, just rain seas, no big deal, I promise, no big deal. But if, if, you're, if, if, you're, if you're up for that, if you can give it a shot and say, man, I, I want to hear from God. Listen, God's not playing hide and seek from you. Hey, I promise you, he, he, there's no miracle password here. He just wants you to say, Lord, speak to me. And then, you know what I've learned? You gotta hush. You gotta stop the hamster wheel going on your brain long enough and say, God, I wanna hear from you. I'm not gonna try to control it. I'm not gonna try to explain it. I just just wanna hear from you. If If you're willing, five minutes, 30 minutes for the whole week, six days, between now and next Sunday, six days, you're going to take five minutes. Man, if you're an evening dude, do it at night. If you're a morning dude, do it in the morning. Man, you're a lunch dude, do it there. Ladies, at whatever point, at your office, your home, with your kids, whatever it takes, you're willing to take five minutes and say, I want to hear from God. I want you to stand with me. I know that's awkward. Just before God, if you're willing to give us a shot, just stand with me. Now listen, if you say, man, that's not for me, don't stand. Don't do it. I get it, man. It's Life's crazy. So I just want to ask you if you're standing, what's your expectation for God? Because I can tell you, you know what mine, mine is? That when I call on him, he does speak. And when I stop trying to control it and I stop trying to turn it into something it's not, when I, when I surrender that, then God speaks clearly. He wants us to hear him. Father, for everybody here that's standing, God, I pray you give them strength and courage. For folks who couldn't stand, I pray you give them this opportunity to step into relationship with you by just receiving the gift that Jesus gave us in life. Give us a courage Monday through Friday and Saturday to take these times and, and hear from you and then act on it. And when we see people in need, we just step up and and we allow our words to be yours, let our actions be yours, and that we might look more, talk more, and react more like Jesus this week. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.